0: Good morning, church. I want to speak to you today a word that I can't remember if it's ever been spoken in this church, and, and I've been here for 30 years. <laughs> could be making a mistake. It could have been spoken. It doesn't have to be the same scriptures. And I think one of the reasons why we haven't spoken it is because of all the excesses that are out there, all the extremes. But we would do you a disservice if we didn't touch on it. One of our values in every nation is the value of leadership. And this has got many expressions. One of them is that we believe in you to be a leader in whatever sphere you find yourself. The place that you are called to be, whether it's in family, marriage, business, arts, whatever that being part of this house means that we are believing that you will go out there and you will shine His light. And that people will look at you and say, what is there about you? And you'll say, it's Jesus. Not just for your own wealth, but that God would receive the glory. So we believe in leadership. We believe in you being a leader. But we also believe in leadership within an organization, within a family, within an organism. And I want to touch on that today. Now, it's titled Leaders and Unleaders, so I know that's not a real word, okay, just so you know, I grew up on the East end, we a lot to make up words, we just made up <laughs> words anyway. <laughs> so yes, it's not a proper word, but, but an unleader is someone who has got influence, but is influencing people in the wrong direction. So I'm going to take you to an incredible time in the life of Israel, they've been slaves for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. And God comes, sovereignly raises up Moses, and they're led out, they cross through the Red Sea, and they're in the desert now, they receive the Ten Commandments, and it's all awesome. And they're coming into the fullness of what God has for them. Do you know that God wants to take you into the fullness of His promises for you? Every one of you. He wants you to go into the promised land. So we find ourselves here in Numbers chapter 13. They've been in the desert, they're about six six weeks outside of Egypt. They've been in the desert for a short season. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone, a chief amongst them. So take your very best. And these were the men, and could have been women, but they were men. Shemur, Shapat, Caleb, Igal, Hoshia, or Joshua, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Setu, Nabi, and Gil, these chosen men. And go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are weak or strong, few or many, whether the land is good or bad, and whether the cities that are in our camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees in it or not, and be of good courage and bring some of the fruits of the land. So they go, we jump to verse 25, 26. At the end of 40 days, 40 is always a complete completeness number. They returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruits of the land. One bunch of grapes, you can read about it, Took two men to carry him. This is how rich the promised land is. And they told them, We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. Well, it doesn't mean literally milk and honey was flowing out the rocks. Okay? It's a metaphor. Just like if we say he was on fire, it doesn't mean there's <laughs> petrol on him. Okay? But it means in agrarian terms that it's just it's amazing. And he has its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of the Anak there. These are the giants. They're just some of the people. The Malachites dwell in the land of the Negev, different people. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So we've got leaders and we've got unleaders. Here, one of the leaders stands up, Caleb. He says, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's the other ten. Then the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people, and this is a lie, Some of them were, but all the people we saw there are of great heart. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. See the identity issue problem here? And so we seem to them. Chapter 14. This is the response of the people to these unleaders, to these leaders who are leading negatively. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry. And the people wept that night, and the people grumbled against Moses. You read the rest of the story, and it just goes south from there. And all of Israel rebels, and because of their rebellion, because they listened to these 10 unleaders, instead of a short journey, a couple of weeks more, into the promised land, they end up 40 more years in the wilderness. So they don't enter in, only Joshua and Caleb, these two Real leaders, end to end. But I want to ask you a question. Those 12 men, which of them were leaders before I gave you my Easter end definition? Which of them were leaders? All of them, right? And which ones had the greatest influence? The 10, right? Okay. We can be under the leadership or the influence of people who are leading us negatively. Now, we're in a society that, that celebrates leadership. Um, we, we're, not, we're not in a society that celebrates followership, but we're in a society that, that celebrates leadership. So think for a moment of your favorite political leader. Okay, don't tell me. Uh, <laughs> think of your fa- favorite business leader. Think of your fa- favorite leader in arts or, or sport or, or military leader. We've, we've all got, got leaders that, that we look up to. And... Um, And yet there seems to be a problem when there's a gift of leadership that God has given to us to be expressed in the church. So we accept leadership everywhere else, but when it comes to the church, we seem to have a problem. In nature, there's leadership, and um, we can go into a whole lot of detail about it, but let me tell you about what happened to me vis-a-vis animal leadership on Monday. We went up to Dinner King, just north of Tswane. Anybody been up there? It's a great place. Uh, We took uh, Pastor Jim LaFoon, and um, the game driver took us on a drive, and he said, we're going to find the elephants. He said, they're just a little bit skittish, because we've just recently shipped them in the last two weeks from 200 kilometers north. So they keep on going to the northern boundary. They're trying to get home. And uh, there's quite a few baby elephants as well. So they're a little bit twitchy, but it'll be fine. Just watch out for those kind of statements. <laughs> so we go there and um, we find the elephants. Our track is fantastic. We find the elephants in the thick bush and uh, they come out of the bush and we, you know, like maybe from here to, to the back of the auditorium, that's far, you know. And the next thing, this mama elephant, we called her ugly Betty. If your name is Betty, you beautiful Betty, but we called her ugly Betty. <laughs> And she was huge. She was massive. This is a picture, okay? She doesn't look big, but I'm telling you, she is so big. And, and, and she just she starts running towards us. So our, our guard starts banging the side of the truck and shouting. And this elephant, and, and she is massive. You can't see. She is just like two and a half times the size of our, our bucky. She's running towards us, and people start getting nervous. Um, one person says, shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> Pastor Jim Lafoon goes, Kubatarabana Sakara. <laughs> one, one particular person who you'll have to torture me to tell you, drops like a very mild four-letter word you know, <laughs> One person starts climbing into the back seat to a Nikana. I mean it's chaos. And the, and the guide puts it into reverse, and he starts reversing. And he's at full tilt reversing. And this elephant is on us. And she is at full pace. And there's a tree behind us. So we manage to like, dodge the tree. And on our cars. We nearly tip. okay? So we dodge the tree. And the elephant just runs through the tree, just plows the tree, and is now like almost on us. So, I mean, there's trauma, and there's screaming, and there's... Now, I don't know why I did this, but in the midst of all of this, instead of praying in tongues, I had my camera in my hand. I took this picture. (laughs) I was that guy. (laughs) It's for you guys. (laughs) I could blame it on you. The Lord led me to take a picture for you. (laughs) Anyway, after about 300, 400 meters, uh, Mama Elephant runs out of energy and we get away and and we drive, and we find a safe place, and um, s- stop by the water, and they take out coffee and tea, and they should have taken our tranquilizers, because we, like, <laughs> we had this whole, like, ministry mode. I mean, literally, I mean, praying, and there were tears. I mean, but, but as we thought about it, and we, we try to like, process this, we, we say, you know what? This, this poor mama elephant, she was just the leader. And what she was trying to do was she was trying to protect her herd, and she was, and there were baby elephants, and she was trying to take her, what do you call it, a herd? Herd of elephants. She was trying to take the herd to this other place. Modulate. A, modulate. <laughs> she, she was trying to get this herd out. And um, all she was being was being a leader in her particular context. And as we, as we understood that, we you know, we're, were less traumatized. And Nick and I weren't traumatized. We were like, what's wrong with this? You know? But... Um, <laughs> But the other people were were less traumatized. In the Word of God, it says there are many different gifts. And there's a gift of hospitality. And uh, there's a gift of generosity. And there's a gift of serving. and, And all of these are hugely important. But there's also a gift of leadership. And you know what it's for? It's to bless us. And it's to prosper us. And just as we accept it in the animal kingdom and we accept it in the the business world, in the sports world, in the military world, in the art world, so too God has given a gift of leadership for us to bless and prosper us. Now what does a leader do? A leader sees both the obstacles or challenges, but they also see the possibility. So they, they identify what the cost is. They identify what the problem is. They say the land is is both flowing with milk and honey, but but also there's, there's giants in the land and there's a whole lot of people. And then they come up with a plan and they put the plan into action to lead the people to a preferable future. This is what leaders do. They see not just the obstacles, but they see the possibilities. Now, what does an unleader do? An unleader, okay, this is someone with influence, but not leading in the right direction, despite what God wants to do, despite the command of God, despite the Word of God, chooses to disregard and chooses to influence and lead people into the wrong direction. And it could be their fear. It could be how they see themselves. It could be their past. But the influence and the impact is tragic. When the people follow an unleader, and this is what happened... As they followed these ten, it ended up Israel being in the desert for 40 years and that entire generation passing away. Now, a leader doesn't have the answers to everything. But what they do have is the faith and the obedience and the faithfulness to follow after God, knowing that he will make a way. What did we sing? He makes a way where there is no way and what a leader does is saying come people let's do this let's go forward so i want to juxtapose for you what an unleader does versus a leader and listen all of us have been unleaders at moments in our lives so if conviction falls if you know this is you just like repent on the spot you don't have to lift up your hand or anything you know but just we've all been unleaders maybe in your work situation maybe in your family maybe in the church but you know what unleaders do? Unleaders ask insidious questions. They make little gentle comments. And uh, they so doubt in, and eventually what they do, because they are rebellious, they create rebellion. That's the impact of unleaders on the people versus what leaders do. Leaders, because they are faithful, they, they reproduce after their own kind. If you've got mumps, you're not going to pass on measles, Right? And leaders, because of their heart for God, because of their allegiance, they call people into obedience to follow after God. Second thing is, unleaders create a culture of of fear and of doubt and of negativity. Remember Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh? It was like that, that donkey that was like super negative all the time. And even if things went things went well, you would be like, "Well, it's just going to get worse." So <laughs> it's just a moment before it turns. Let's not be unleaders. Let's not be negative. Let's not create doubt and fear. But rather, let us be people who, who in the moment of crisis, we find courage. We press into God. We hold on to His word. We pray. We get strength. And then we call it up in other people. This is what leaders do. And you are called to be leaders. You are called to to be strengthened in God and to call other people into that strength. And leaders sometimes have temporary popularity because they're so understanding and they're so kind for a moment and they so understand your crisis and your weakness and your fear. And sometimes... Leaders are not popular. So here we see Numbers 14 verse 10, just a few verses further than what we read. The crowd decides that they want to stone Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. And and think about it for a second. Leadership by its very definition means that you see things that other people don't see. You see the path clearer. You see the future clearer. You see the preferable future and you can see what can be done. And because everybody doesn't see it as clearly, there comes attention. Yeah. So sometimes you might not fully understand your leader. I've said this to my boys I've said, you know, I will always try to explain things to you, I'll always be patient with you. But there's got to be occasions in your life where I just say, son, you just got to do this. Yeah, there's got to be enough character in you, yeah. my boy. To Even if it's not fully explained to the fullness of your understanding, your preference. And I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that they do that. But so too with God and so too with our leaders. Sometimes they put something before us and they say, come on guys, let's do this. Let's go to making disciples. It's good for you and it'll be awesome. And you anxious and you, you're afraid and you know, you'd rather stay home and watch Netflix. And your leader saying, no, step up. And step out. You know, we, we all face giants. We all face giants. Leaders cause us and call us to face those giants. And leaders, because of what's in their heart, they may cause people to despise the Lord. To have contempt for God and for His ways. The Lord says, how long will these people treat me with contempt, because what is in their heart, they pass it on to the people. But true leaders cause people to be faithful and to love God and to honor God, and they call us up into the fullness of what God has for us. And leaders bring suffering onto the next generation. They bring suffering on their children. They bring suffering on their spiritual children onto the next generation, your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness. Now you might think, oh, beautiful, I'll be a shepherd. No, no, being a shepherd was lowest on the social hierarchy, and being a shepherd in the desert was no fun. Okay? This was a curse on them, that their children would just be shepherds because they weren't entering into the promised land. That was God's intent, that was God's plan, but because of the unleaders, that's where they end up. What do leaders do? Leaders bring you into all that God has for you. Leaders help you to have a great marriage. They cause you to be outstanding as a father, as a mother, to, to succeed in business and to succeed in service in the church. And they serve and endure patiently. Joshua, Caleb, they had to live another 40 years leading the people with Moses until they entered into the promised land. And unleaders lose their influence in an untimely way. All of a sudden, it's gone. And they're no longer there. They've, they've influenced negatively, and all of a sudden, they just disappear. These men who returned and made the whole community grumble against him were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. But what about leaders? Leaders have influence that lasts for eternity because they cause people to walk into the fullness of what God has for them. I want to ask you, what giants do we face in this city? What are the giants that we face in our individual lives? Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your teenage child. What are the What are the giants that the enemy tries to throw against us as a church? White people can't eat black people. Black people can't eat white people. Uh, Discipleship doesn't work. Men don't want to follow the Lord. In this postmodern era, objective truth doesn't apply anymore. But like Joshua, like Caleb, if we trust the Lord and say, we can do these things, we will overcome the giants of the land. Will we take God at His word and press forward? Ultimately, the difference between a leader and an unleader is that a leader is wholeheartedly following God. He's all in. Whereas an unleader is like a bit of a mixed bag. Are we going to spot the land? But, and there's a whole lot of buts, and there's a whole lot of exceptions, and there's a whole lot of excuses. I've been an unleader. If you being an unleader, just repent. Just cry to God for mercy. Just change your perspective. Let's talk about the followers. Why do people listen to the unleader? Why did Israel listen to these 10 guys and not to Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb? Here's a clue, Deuteronomy 1, 26 to 27 in the ESV. By the way, I really recommend the ESV. there's some bibles that aren't even bibles like the message you know the message isn't the bible do you know that okay if you go to the front of the message and i'm not saying you can't get some good stuff out of it i'm I'm rabbit trailing you for a moment i'm not saying you can't get but just don't think you've read the bible the message is a paraphrase and it explains it at the front just like so i think the new living bible is also a paraphrase they they're good but you're not reading the Bible. You're reading somebody's interpretation, you know, and one day there's going to be a Hells Angels Bible and there'll be a Red Beret Bible and eventually there'll be so many Bibles you can just choose whatever you want to. And all there are paraphrases. So anyway, ESV is a great Bible. Sorry, let me come back to the point here. What is the point I'm trying to make here? Why did these people follow these leaders? Here's the clue. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. What do you see here? You see a mindset towards God. You see a perspective towards God that He's not for us. He's against us. Maybe even He hates us. So how does this translate current day? When you hear the command of God for your life, Walk in purity before marriage, for instance. Tithe, whatever it might be. And you go like, surely that's not a good command. Every one of God's commands are good for you. They're there to protect you. They're there to provide for you. They're there to bless you. But if you see God in a negative light, well, I don't know if God is really for me, and does He really understand me, and does He really love me? Then you are far more prone to follow the voices of the unleaders. Is your perspective on God and His Word that this is for you, to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future? Because if that's your perspective, then you're not going to be following the unleaders. But if your perspective of God is warped and bent and you look at His commands strangely, then you are vulnerable. I pray that your, your heart would be refreshed in this particular area, that he loves you and everything he says is for your good, for your blessing, and for your provision. Now, let's talk about followers for a moment. You know, to be a leader, you have to be a follower. There's no leader who hasn't followed at some time And most leaders continue to be followers. Even like the president of the country, he's following the party policy and party congress. And he's following the electorate. The CEO of a top top company has got a board that he reports to. He's a follower there. And, And he's got the shareholders that he follows. All of us. Jesus, the greatest leader, he was submissive to the father. So understand this. To be a leader, you have to be a follower as well. And the centurion who had great authority said, I too am a man under authority. So if you've got aspirations to be a leader in whatever sphere, understand this, that there's a part of it, part of the dynamic, part of the equation is that you are also a follower. Now this jars against us in our Western mindset. I get that. You know, you telling me what to do, the Word of God is there to bless you and to provide for you. And he wants us to be in community. And just as there are leaders in every sphere, so too there are leaders in the church. So what does the word say? We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor amongst you. You don't have to call us pastor to respect us, but it's a heart attitude. I don't mind what you call me. Somebody calls me coach, and DeLuma calls me coach. I mean, it's cool. I don't mind what you call us. But will you, rece- will you receive our gift? Respect those who labor amongst you and admonish you. You know what admonish means? To gently correct and to guide. I cannot tell you how many stories, how many people in this church, marriages have been saved, lives have been saved, families have been saved because they're willing to receive admonishment, guidance from pastors, from their connect group leaders from the people who care for them. And at the same time, I can tell you war story after war story of people who who were hard-headed and hard-hearted and weren't willing to receive, and so they end up destroying their lives, destroying their marriages, destroying their families and their businesses. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work and be at peace amongst yourself. Another verse. I'll just give you two on this. Says, obey your leaders. I mean, that's strong. Obviously, there's a reciprocal responsibility for the pastors to be very wise as to what they give instructions on. You know, there's a limited scope. But within that limited scope, obey your leaders and submit to them. What does that word submit mean? It's it's likened to surrendering at the end of a battle, end of a war. We surrender. You're in charge. For they keep watch over your souls. The pastors and officially I'm not a pastor at Rosebank so I'm not trying to get you to do something for me here I'm trying to get you to do something for you for your own good and for the sake of the leadership structure here those who have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning in other words you can make the life of your pastors, your connect group leaders hard you can take away their joy of ministry in terms of how you respond to them and the consequence would be there would be at no advantage to you if you're that difficult soul. Now, let's go back to entering into the promised land. And I want to give you an acronym. So if, if you like, give me one thing to remember. Okay, Remember this slide. Okay. If you're going to remember one thing, here's the actions that I want you to, to, to embrace. If we're going to embrace leadership, if we're going to enter into the promised land, be a leader out there, please do. But in this house, I want to give you four things that you can do vis-a-vis your leaders, your connect group leaders, your pastors, your department leaders, whatever it might be. Firstly, serve. You know, you need to be a stakeholder in this house. You need to come with a different attitude, not of, okay, what are you going to do for me this Sunday? You need to come and say, Lord, here I am to worship you. Yeah. And here I am to give of my gift. And that's not just worship and singing, but, and not just of your finances, but bring of your gift. Yeah. You need to be a stakeholder and find out how you can bring and you and, and use what you've got for the glory of God. And there's so many talents. Be a leader within your area of skill and expertise. Find out how you can serve. Secondly, this is the big one. Talk to and not about your leaders. Talk to and not about. And the Bible is so clear. If you've got something and somebody go to them, if they won't listen... Call the elders, ramp it up, etc. Matthew eighteen. It says, make sure there's no root of bitterness that grows up to defile many. And we are called to be a people who preserve our unity and reflect Jesus by the way we talk to and not about people. I know these leaders, I know these pastors. When you send them an email of a suggestion of a constructive criticism, they take it super seriously. I mean, they really respond. So it's not as if you can't talk to them. And I think they've proven it time and time again. So therefore, when you're in an environment and people are subtly criticizing and talking about your leaders, just say, well, have you spoken to them? Have you spoken to Pastor Sire, Pastor Lareca? Um, I'd rather you do that than tell me about your graph. Let's not allow that kind of talk in our midst. Because otherwise we become like those people who follow the unleaders. Thirdly, encourage your pastor. How often do you speak life and words of affirmation to your leaders? Do you go to the kids' workers and say, thank you for looking after my kids? You know, They have so grown. How often do you tell the pastors, thank you for what you're doing? You know, often on a, on a Monday, pastors suffer from this melody. It's like preacher's blues. You know? Now, it's exacerbated if they get an email from somebody saying, you know, the bathroom wasn't clean, the car guards weren't friendly, you know. So just like ramps up. And they need to be able to take those constructive criticisms. But can it be mixed in with a sandwich of you awesome, I love you, thank you for that. Please can we fix this? But you're awesome, I love you. (laughs) Can we do that? I mean you apply it in business, you apply it in your marriage. Can't you do it with your leaders? And then lastly, pray for your pastor. Pray for your leaders. Pray for these men and women who are for your benefit. And not just for your benefit, but that together we would take, take the city. We're doing something unusual here. We're building a church in a particular way. It's far easier to build homogeneously. A church just for green people. Or a church just for blue people. Um, we are deliberately building something differently. But it takes all of us to serve. It takes all of us to encourage. It takes all of us to pray. It takes all of us to, to speak to and not about As I wrap up, all of us are called to be leaders in our particular sphere and all of us are called to be followers in certain environments. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we desire to come into the promised land. We desire to come into the fullness of what you have for us as a people. And Father, where we have listened to the wrong voices, where we have spoken against, where we have even been unleaders, led in fear, led in criticism, led in negativity, Lord, we repent. Father, I pray for such a healthy, divine balance in this house of the pastors and leaders leading well within their sphere and, and every member being a leader in their sphere and each of us supporting one another and yielding and submitting and obeying where we need to. Yes, Lord, I pray against the excesses, but I, I also pray, Lord God, for, for the provision and the protection that comes from receiving leadership in a church context. And Lord, this is what your word says, and this is what your word gives. So Father, we say, help us to receive your word. Help us to apply your word. Help us to live your word, because it is good for us. And Lord, we repent where we've been rebellious, where we've looked at the giants, where we've walked in fear, where we've been negative. Fill our hearts with faith, courage, and obedience. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen and amen.